Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for joining me for another edition of the Bob Sullivan Show. Today I'm on with me from SportingDebate.com, Jesus Rodriguez. How are you doing today, Jesus? How's it going? How's it going? It's going terrific. Uh, just uh, enjoying some uh, some cold weather, and uh, that's about it. How about you? <laughs> Same here. I'm enjoying some cold weather mixed with the New York traffic. Can't get any better than that. Uh, well, uh, you know, looking at the NBA right now, um, you know, going into you know, the All-Star breaks coming up a couple weeks from now, uh, the Knicks have gotten two wins in a row. What are you hearing as far as whether the Knicks will make the playoffs or not? <laughs> That's what I'm hearing last. Um, they're not going to the playoffs. I mean, uh, realistically speaking, you, you look at the first win. They played the Pelicans. The Pelicans didn't have their best two players in Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday. They struggled to beat that team. Then they play the lowly 76ers, who, if I'm not mistaken, they have Michael Carter-Williams, but then Nerland Noel didn't even play that game, who's probably their second-best player. Then they have their rookie center, who hasn't played all season, not going to play, who, rumor has it, has put on over 300 pounds. So, yeah, I, I I, I understand Nick fans wanted to celebrate and rejoice and all, but um, this is not their year. So, you know, and, enjoy the wins because they, they're going to be few and far between, but also, you know, temper expectations because look at the competition and look at the level of play. Um, what do you think as far as uh, with the Knicks? Uh, I mean, it they should not be this bad. They should not be a seven-win team, they're far better than this. I, you know, being in the season, looking at it, I, I think there's no reason why they shouldn't have been able to make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Um, how much of it do you think it is to blame on Fisher? How much do you think it is to blame on Phil Jackson, Mello? Who, who deserves the most blame? And what do you think uh, the plan is right now? I mean, as far as the blame goes, the blame goes all around. And that it starts from the top with the ownership, James Dolan. It then trickles down to Phil Jackson because at the end of the day, the trade that he did for when he traded Tyson Chandler, while many were, were for it, at the end of the day, it has not panned out. Then you have to put the blame on Carmelo Anthony because at the end of the day, Carmelo Anthony was the one that wanted to play for the Knicks but made the Knicks give up an arm and a leg just to get him and acquire him. And then he didn't really give him much of a discount this summer to re-sign as well. And then lastly, Derek Fitch is going to get some blame because he's still going through the bumps and bruises of learning what it's like to be an NBA head coach. So I, I think all around, everybody deserves some form of blame. It's, it's not just one person in particular. Uh, Ray Allen has still yet to sign with the team. 
what are you hearing as far as Rayon goes? Do you think that he's just kind of toying with people and uh, he's not going to sign with the team? Because I'm getting the feeling he's not. Because I just <laughs> haven't heard anything since since the beginning of the season. Well, well, here's, here, here's a little inside information for you then, okay? Um, LeBron James actually just recently met with Ray Allen and tried to recruit him to go to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Now, does that mean that he's going to ultimately sign there? I, I can't say that's a lock. Ray Allen really does not have much interest to come back. The only way he will make, he will make an attempt to come back is if he sees that he is guaranteed for another ring with the team. And right now, the, the the East is pretty much a couple of teams only, and then the West is wide open. So you really, there's really no team that you can say oh, that team is going to win a championship. So I, I'll be honest, I, unless unless LeBron James is the heck of a salesman, which he's shown the possible the capability to be, I just don't know if Ray Allen's going to be able to come out of retirement because there's nobody out there that is a lot to win a championship. Yeah, it's. Uh... This was probably the worst year for somebody to try to be Roger Clemens and make a uh, you know come back halfway through a season because I've never seen it. There's really no favorite. I mean, in the West, you could argue for probably seven or eight teams that they could win the win the West, and in the East, no one really knows because the Cavs are a complete unknown right now. Uh, I mean, you look at Washington might be the favorite, but then there's Chicago, who's not playing well against bad teams. It's just a complete cluster of, uh, you know, really good teams in the East, just really inconsistent teams. It's uh, one of the worst seasons for betting in my life. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, if, if, if we're breaking down just the West, you have the one team that everybody's jumping on the bandwagon, which is the Golden State Warriors. Now, I love what I'm seeing from the Golden State Warriors. I absolutely love it. They're running, they're gunning, they're making shots, they're hitting threes. But come playoff time, it's a physical, it's a completely different world. It's physical. And I just look at the team and I say to myself, can Clay Thompson be physical and take the pounding? Is Stephen Curry going to be able to take the pounding? I question that. I know Iguodala can take it. Iguodala's a pretty well-built young man. But I just wonder about their two big-time scorers. Can they do it? And that that's what scares me. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, with the yeah, seven-game series, well, and it's probably going to be like three seven-game series that they're going to have to go through if they want to make the finals. Uh, you know, they're. I would say they would have to luck out and, you know, if – Say they get the Thunder in round one. That's going to be a tough series. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. They, they, I don't think if I were them, I would hope I would hope to luck out with like a Rockets in the second round because that's not really a physical team. Um, exactly. I mean, I, I would say if, if you're the the Warriors, I, I mean, looking at them, Curry drives a little bit and. Thompson will drive from time to time. But as long as they're not playing the Clippers, I don't think they're going to have to worry about taking, you know, some type of cheap shot. Because I don't see a team, they don't have a rivalry with anyone yet. I mean, and 
unless, you know, an older team like Dallas gets to them or something, then I can see them getting physical and causing trouble for the for the Warriors. Hey, I, I, I can tell you this right now. The San Antonio Spurs would be licking their chops to play them in the, in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And that, Greg Popovich knows how to, how to tell his guys to get under certain players' skin. Remember Robert Ory, Steve Nash, Phoenix Suns several years ago? You know, so they're licking their chops. Yeah. Um, as far as the Hawks go, what is what is your take on that? Everybody says they're for real. Like everybody's like, "Oh, I love the Hawks. I love the Hawks. I like the Hawks too." But once they lose in the playoffs, everybody's gonna be like, "This team was overrated the entire season." <laughs> it, it, it was, yeah, you, you, you know that's coming. They're gonna probably lose in the Eastern Conference. Semifinal. It happens every time the Hawks have a good team. Um, they're going to probably lose in the semis, and everybody's going to say they're overrated. How is it? Is this team any different from any other Hawks team, other than they just have a really good record right now? Yeah, I mean, you you said it perfectly. Okay, you said everybody loves the Hawks right now, and then your your following comment after that was you like the Hawks. That's exactly the way that I feel. I don't love them. I like them. I think I think it's very good what they're doing. I think they have the physicality come playoff time, but do they have the overall talent to really to really push? I guess in the Eastern Conference because it's so weak, sure. I I, I guess so, but they, they, I think even if they were to play the A seed in the West, they would lose. They wouldn't even go seven games with even the A seed in the West. So yeah, I like them. I think I think they're they're, they're interesting, but they're just not built. They don't they don't have that it factor that you need come playoff time. They don't have that guy that's saying, all right, I'm going to take my team to the next level, you know, i.e. a Tim Duncan, a Kobe Bryant, a LeBron James. They they don't have that. And you need that one guy in the playoffs to put the team on his shoulders if they need a score. I'm a big fan of – I think they probably have the best front court in the NBA maybe. I mean, you can argue Drummond and Monroe since – the Josh Smith uh, departure. Um, I, I mean, I, I like their front court. Corver's good. Teague's good. It's just, I, you know, they shoot a lot of threes. They're efficient. But, you know, I, I'm just not, I'm not sold that, you know, they're deep enough to really make a run, you know, win the East. And, you know, am, am I wrong that people are going to throw them under the bus as, as soon as they lose in the playoffs? Because I, I just don't, I don't think they're coming out of the East. You are absolutely right. I mean, you're absolutely not wrong. Uh, just, just think about it like this, okay? Right now, everybody's on the bandwagon, but the minute they go on a losing streak, or the minute they get bumped out the playoffs, you're going to hear all the same people that were saying praise, saying their praises, going to say to you, "Well, I told you they weren't that good." I told you they they were just a fluke. So yeah, you're absolutely right. Everybody's going to jump off that bandwagon first opportunity they get. Hmm. Well, and you know they're kind of like the uh, Oakland A's, where they're in advanced stats. They're they try to be smart with their money. They're in a market where you would think players wouldn't mind going. But then, you know, they just have a terrible fan base and nobody goes to their games and nobody wants to play there. And um, 
so they're they're kind of like the A, the Oakland A's in that respect. And then in the play, you know, ever the whole season it's talking about, oh, how smart are the Oakland A's? Oh, how smart are the Atlanta Hawks? And then come playoff time, the A's are out of the playoffs, and it's like this just doesn't work for winning a championship. But the same thing is probably going to happen with the Hawks, unfortunately. I, I mean, I like them. Uh, I respect what they're doing, but I just don't see it panning out. Yeah, but I, actually, if there if there is a year for the Hawks to break through, it is this year with you know, a Cleveland with LeBron on a team that has no idea what the hell they're doing, um, and the Wizards probably being the best threat in the East, and Chicago just being so inconsistent. Absolutely. I mean, the one thing Atlanta cannot do is they cannot be satisfied with what they currently have and think this is going to take them to the promised land. There's a trade deadline coming up. They need to make an acquisition or two here. Now, whether that be trading a draft pick for a player, whether that be making, making a minor move, whatever they can do. But as the team is currently constituted, okay, they may look out in the East, which even that I think is going to be tough. But there's no way they're going to beat anybody in the West. There's just no way it's going to happen as the team currently is. As far as the Bulls go, uh, you know, very, uh, very inconsistent. You know, Joe Kim Noah has not been, you know, what we know Joe Kim Noah to be, you know, defense, defensively, offensively at all. 27 and 16. In fourth in the East, uh, what do you what do you think the biggest problem right now is for Chicago? The biggest problem right now is just the team buying into what Thibodeau's trying to preach. Because before it was easy for Thibodeau because he didn't have stars. Rose was usually injured, and then after that, you just had a bunch of you had a bunch of guys who hadn't made a name for themselves yet. Now all of a sudden, Taj Gibson is a name. Jimmy Butler's a name. They have Paul Gasol there. So now you have, I don't want to say they're prima donnas because they're not, they're not there yet. But now you have to basically, he can't coach these guys the same way he coached the previous years, where he can motivate mm-hmm. guys and say, look, I can cut you if you don't perform. No, these, these guys have contracts that are pretty big contracts. And, for example, Jimmy Butler's playing for a humongous contract at the end of the season. So he's not really going to buy it because he wants his stats. At the end of the day, he wants his stats. So I, I don't think it's his talent. It's just... Buy, the team buying into it, and it's it's a scary situation, but that's why there's 82 games in a season, so you can work these things out. And if there's a team that I'm going to bet on in that East, I'm not betting against. I'm not betting against Chicago. There's just no way I can bet against them. Do you think you know with Thibodeau? I always thought, you know, the last few years that one of those one of these years, you know, he's kind of like. He's from, like, Jeff Van Gundy, Pat Riley mold where, you know, you can only keep him around so long where he just is just going to grind players down to a nub. And, his you know, he has physical practices. Uh, he plays players long minutes. And do you think we're getting to that point where uh, Coach Thibs is, uh, you know, close to that point where his, his message is just – you know, they're 27 and 16. It's not like they're a, t- a bad team, but I think it's just slowly starting to wear away at this team. Yeah, I think what Tibbs needs to learn how to do is make changes to his coaching style. 
I'm, I'm going to use a football reference, okay? Tom Coughlin, when he was the head coach of the Giants, mm. he was known when he first came as just a tough-nosed type of guy. He had two big changes. And once he made those changes, they went and won Super Bowl. That's the same thing with Thibodeau. I, I understand what Thibodeau's trying to do, and it would work if he was coaching, say, Atlanta Hawks. If he was coaching the Hawks, they would be just as good. A, a team that doesn't have those big-name players. But right now, he has he has, his guys, believe it or not, people forget, the Bulls have Paul Gasol. That's a pretty big name in the NBA. Joe, well, Joe King Noah is a big name. Derek Rose is a big name. Jimmy Butler is a name on the rise. So he's going to have to make some changes and, you know, yeah, take it easy a little bit on the guys in practice and definitely cut down their minutes because look at what he's done to Derek Rose. At the end of the day, Derek Rose, his knees aren't what they once were. So he has to take that in, into account when he's coaching these guys up. Uh, looking at the Cavs, Sean Marion says he'll retire at the end of the season. Uh, it, if, from my perspective, it's probably, you know, he just got he's tired of, uh, you know, the drama in Cleveland, so he he just <laughs> wants out. It just, it just killed all passion on him this season. But uh, looking at the Cavs, what do you think's the one? Do you think they're going to make any more moves? to uh, sure up any positions, and do you like the moves that they made um, a few weeks back for Mozgov, J.R. Smith, and Shumpert pretty much bringing in a bunch of former Knicks? <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what they did. Um, I, I can't say that I like the moves um, long-term. Long-term, I don't like the moves at all, actually, because they gave up two first-rounders for Mozgov, and then as far as the J.R. Smith deal with Demont Shumpert, uh, J.R. Smith is, is on the hook for another year. He's probably going to pick up his option at about $6 million. So that, that doesn't help them flexibility-wise. And I, I just think if they don't win it this year, they, they're going to have some explaining to do because you have them on Trump who's a restricted free agent. Somebody could just snatch them, snatch them away from them. J.R. Smith is going gonna, is gonna to take eat up $6 million, And draft picks are going to be scarce for them at this point. So what they're ultimately saying right now is we're all in right now. So to answer the other part of your question, will they do any more moves? The Cavs will do as many moves as they can possibly do until they realize that the problem isn't the talent on the team. The problem is LeBron James respecting his head coach. Now, I know I'm, I'm in the minority in saying that, but I, I have no problem, you know, stirring the debate in that. LeBron James does not respect Dave Black, and, and that's a problem right now because if he doesn't respect the coach, then what do you think the rest of the team's going to do? They're going to follow suit. So he needs to he needs to suck it up in reality and just respect his coach because then everybody else will follow suit and you watch how much better they're going to perform. Granted, they're on a winning streak right now, but it's more talent than it is coaching or skill. Well, with with Blatt, um, I mean, I I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's gone after the season. My question <laughs> is, why is why did they hire him? To begin with, like I guess that he's had a lot of he, you know, he's more he's had a lot of success overseas. I completely respect that. But when you know, like they Cleveland had to have had a hunch that they had a shot at LeBron. Why didn't they just kind of wait on who they were going to hire as a coach instead of just you know he's had all the success overseas. It's great, but. The unknown for him never having any experience in the NBA that that's really risky when you're trying to put together mm-hmm. this quote unquote big three. 
Um, yeah, to, to, I'm, I'm going to say something that probably you haven't heard in many other places, but the fact is what I've been told is LeBron James wanted Dave Black in place because he didn't wow. want to deal with another Spostra, Pat Riley type. At the end of the day, what people don't realize is when LeBron James was in Miami, LeBron James was intimidated by Pat Riley. Because he was intimidated by Pat Riley, he then had to listen to Eric Spolstra. He did not want to feel intimidated. Neither did LeBron's team as far as, you know, his agent, manager, and things of that nature. They wanted to make sure that LeBron had free, he was able to freelance and do it his way. And that's why David Blatt was brought, brought in. The problem is that he's realizing now is they went too far with that, and he just has no respect whatsoever. I, I, I mean, he yells sometimes at his coach in practice. It, it, just, it needs to stop. It, and and I'm, I don't hate LeBron James. I will be the first one to tell you he is the best player on the planet, bar none, skill-wise and talent-wise. He has more talent than a Michael Jordan ever did. Now, did he, has he done more with his talent than Michael Jordan? No, he has not. But talent-wise, as far as speed, strength, and everything that he's all the God-given talent that he has, yeah, he, he's, he's better in that sense. But mentally, he's just not as strong. So he, he did not want a big-name coach there. You, you say they make a move with Blatt during the season, which I don't see happening. Do you think Tyron Luke could be the long-term answer for us? the Cavs and somebody that LeBron could respect enough and be kind of a yes man enough to LeBron for it to work? The LeBron will never be a yes man to a head coach that doesn't have rings. For LeBron to respect mm-hmm. the head coach, he has to have rings on him. And not, not rings as a player, i.e. what Teron Lou has. It, it, it has to be a guy that has won it before and is not intimidated by LeBron. Uh, a, a guy that I think would, would have done very well with LeBron is a George Carl. He doesn't have rings, but the one thing George Carl has is respect. And he doesn't back down, and he will call you out if he has to. People forget, Car- George Carl used to call out Carmelo Anthony all the time in Denver. He does not hesitate to do that, but that's not what LeBron wants. So I, I do agree with you that I think if Blacklet gets let go, I think Teron Lou, that that's his team at that point in time, and that's why he was brought in in case it didn't work. But Teron Lewis is just going to follow suit as far as what does LeBron want at the end of the day. It's, it's LeBron's team, and anybody who thinks differently is out of their mind. That, there's a reason why LeBron put options in his contract, but he can opt out after this year and opt out after the year after that. He did that purposely in case Cleveland backtracks and all of a sudden tries to, tries to go back on what they told him they would do. He can get up and leave. Who do you think the, what do you think the biggest problem is going to be for the Cavs come playoff time. The co- the co- coaching, number one, uh, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving never playing a playoff game, or the, you know, them just never know, you know, the chemistry between the quote-unquote big three. What are those three things that's going to be the biggest issue come playoff time? I mean, the biggest issue... Wouldn't be one of those three, but I do think I do agree with you that chemistry is is going to be a problem. But the biggest issue, hands down, without a shadow of a doubt, has to be defensively. I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, without Barajal, Love doesn't play a lick defense, and neither does Kyrie. Those guys are just lazy on defense. They could care less about the defensive end. 
it's uh, it, it's strange. They're uh, is it, as far as you know, defensively, there's just no effort whatsoever from those two. And Love, I mean, it's weird because it's not like you you know a guy who puts up big rebounding numbers. You would expect to play decent defense and be physical, and that is just not Kevin Love. I mean. And he, on offense, he he backs people. You know, when he was in Minnesota, he backed people down. You know, he wasn't just strictly a three-point shooter. He, he's pretty much just a three-point shooter right now. Go to the corner, jack up a three. I mean, he'll get his rebounding numbers. But defensively, it's, it's just unbelievable to me that a guy that is that can be that physical on offense and can rebound that well can be so bad on defense. Uh it, it ultimately comes down to bad habits. And Kevin Love really was never pushed to play defense. In Minnesota, he was never pushed. And in Cleveland, realistically speaking, he's not being pushed other than LeBron trying to get his guys to, to play defense. So yeah, he has a lot of bad habits. But physically, I, he could play defense. He has it. He has the, the build for it. He just chooses not to at the end of the day. And, well, Kyrie is Kyrie. Kyrie's going to do what he wants to do at the end of the day. Do you think in in the East? Do you think everybody's going to, for the most part, sit tight with what they got? Um, and if nobody sits back, who do you think is the most likely to make a move um, that's a contender in the East? The most likely to make a move, I think, has to be the Hawks. I, I I'm sticking to that. The Hawks have to make a move. But um, Miami also, they are looking to move Norris Cole, and they want to move him in the worst way because they feel he's getting in the way of of Shabazz Napier's growth. So I I do think they want to move him. The problem is is Pat Riley's asking for more than what he probably should for Norris Cole. Uh, So those are pretty much the top two teams, but you're going to move. There's going to be movers, a lot of movers and shakers here. There's even teams that are not even in there that will – that are not in the playoff picture, that are still going to be helping out maybe teams that are in the playoff picture. So you, you, you're going to see stuff like that happen. A perfect example is the Knicks are trying to move Pablo Prigioni. They're willing to take a second-round pick for him. They, they don't care. They just want to rid themselves and give him a chance to play somewhere else. Same thing as same thing for Bargnani. And even Tim Hardaway Jr., they, they're listening to offers now as well. So, yeah, it, there's a lot of teams in the East that are going to be moving. Um, my... Do you predict Miami and Brooklyn get replaced by Charlotte and Detroit by the end of the season and the playoffs? <laughs> I don't think I, – I I just don't see Miami being that bad where they're going to completely drop out of it. I don't think Pat Roddy would let something like that happen. But I do think Brooklyn, if they move Brook Lopez, they are not going to play off. Mm. I, I just don't see I, – I, I don't think that that's – that that's a move that's going to help them get better. And once Brooke Lopez leaves, Deron Williams, his motivation is just going to be gone, completely gone. Granted, he doesn't have much motivation now because he's getting did, his money and he's he, coming off the bench. Yeah, did Darren Williams have motivation at all since he's been in Brooklyn? Because I, I, I didn't know that there was any at all. <laughs> well, he had motivation in his contract year. That was his motivation, the contract year. After that contract year, he just... He just doesn't care anymore. And that's where Lionel Hollins, I really like the move of Lionel Hollins as far as 
just pushing his guys because he will call you out if he has to. He will bench you if he has to. I mean, he had Brooke Lopez and Deron Williams coming off the bench. That's a lot of money in your cap for two players coming off your bench. But he doesn't care. Yeah. If you don't give him effort, he's not going to play you. Is there a bigger – who would you compare Darren Williams to in NBA history? You know, with the Jazz, you know, I, I hate to say it, maybe he was just a – you know, he was just successful because of Sloan. You know, Sloan knew what buttons to push, and then as soon as Williams got sick of it, got him fired and moved on to Brooklyn. I mean, his career has – not only has injured – he's been injured – but he has also really not been that effective in Brooklyn. I mean, there was arguments for him. at one point it was him and Chris Paul were the two best point guards in the league, and you could argue Darren Williams was the best point guard in the league. And now, you know, as soon as he went to Brooklyn, that just seemed like a complete joke. Who would you compare him to over the course of NBA history as far as a similar situation? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's really not many people to compare him to because this is just a guy who just lacks the motivation. So if I'm just going to go based on a lax motivation, this isn't even a point guard that I'm going to compare it to. But what I'm going to compare it to is Latrell Sprewell when he played with the Golden State Warriors. He, when he was with Golden State Warriors, people forget he, his motivation wasn't there all the time. Some nights he would bring it. Other nights he would just take days off. Then he got traded. Once he got traded, all of a sudden you saw a guy who cares. You saw a guy who brought it every single night. And that's what that's what Deron needs. But does he have does he have the heart like Sprewell? Because at least Sprewell had heart at the end of the day. I just don't know if Deron Williams has that heart. I really don't. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, another comparison could probably be Sean Kemp. As soon as he, you know, when he was in uh, Seattle, very effective, great player. Um, and then gets Cleveland. a big contract yeah. with uh, with Cleveland, and it just, yeah. I mean, it just went, you know, down the skid. I didn't want to go that bad because of the drinking problems. But, yeah, I, I, I could see that comparison. I absolutely could see it. Yeah, you, you're, you definitely make a valid point on that one. Uh, as far as in, in the Western Conference, you know, I, I felt bad at the beginning of the season for Phoenix, New Orleans, Sacramento, because they all got off to good starts. And, you know, at the end of the day, they just had to have crapped themselves as soon as they got off to their, their good starts because they were just like, oh, shit. Oklahoma City's still back there, and Westbrook and Duran are coming back. Now Phoenix is the lone team Oklahoma City has to pass. Oklahoma City's three games back. They still have work to do. Phoenix is playing pretty well. Uh, do, you, do you think it's just a matter of time before Oklahoma City passes Phoenix? Uh, it's a matter of time before Oklahoma City passes a lot of teams. That's a team that's no. going to be need to be reckoned with, and they're going to be a force come playoff time. At the end of the day, I will say this, though. Scott Brooks is not as good of a head coach as people think he is. Okay? He is, no, he's he, not. He should have already had a championship with that roster, in my, in my book. So it, Scott Brooks is he going to is this team going to win a championship? I don't think they can under him, but yeah, they're going to pass. They're going to pass a lot of teams just based off talent alone. There's way too much talent on that team. And if this Brook Lopez deal does go down prior to the trade deadline, yeah, watch out, <laughs> watch out. Yeah, that that move, you know that they've been saying 
Presti had said for a few years, like, when we need to make a move, it, we will make a move a few years now, from now. I guess this is that few years from now, from then, uh, with the waiters move, Lopez is being rumored. Uh, by getting, you know, waiters has played decent since he's come in. Do you think making a move for Lopez, do you think that's a good combination of him, Ibaka, and uh, Steven Adams? Do you like that uh, that combination down low? It, it's probably better than having Perkins. I, I absolutely like it because what it what it does now, now Ibaka, who for some reason he just wants to be outside and shoot the ball now more, more than ever. Uh, so if he wants to be that type of player, then you need that post presence. And we all know Durant, he's not the chunkiest guy in the world, so he doesn't really have the beat that you really want to be banging down low. Brooke Lopez is going to bring you that, that down low presence, and you're going to have to think twice when Westbrook is taking it to the hole if you want to help out on defense because somebody's going to be left open. Brooke can shoot it, so can Ibaka, so can Durant, and if they have waiters in there, you have shooters all around the court. So it's going to be a major problem defensively because you're going to have to guard players one-on-one. And I don't think there's one person on that team that you can say, yeah, we can stop him one-on-one. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, it, they, looking back on it, they should never have gotten rid of Harden. But since getting rid of Harden, this is probably – they're one, you know, their their best team, their best team put together, and it's, you know, they're probably gonna, they're going to make the playoffs. It's just a matter of how mm. how long it's going to take and whether Phoenix cools off and and how much they cool off. And uh, you know, I I do, you know, looking at the uh, the Pelicans, they got they got some decent pieces with Drew Holiday. Uh, Tyreek Evans, Eric Gordon. Do you see them moving any sheet? Do you see them moving anybody to try to get maybe a couple more draft picks or anything? Or do you think they're going to stick with what they got, not make the playoffs, are, and just be average? Yeah, they, they are desperate to move Gordon. The problem is, is nobody wants Gordon. Gordon's knees are compared to Amari Stoudemire's knees when he first signed with the Knicks. They know everyone knows he only has a few years left with those knees. It's it, it, Unfortunately, they're just—they don't have the pieces to move. And Evans would be easier to move, and they could probably get something for him. The problem is, is Evans has never learned to shoot the ball in the NBA. Oh, he's still the same guy when he was first drafted, which is take it to the hole, take it to the rack, go for the layup. He still hasn't developed that consistent jump shot. I, I, I love where they're starting with Anthony Davis, Drew Holiday, and Omar Sheik. Those three guys, I don't move them if I'm building this team. But it's very difficult because they don't have great value and great talent after that. That's the issue right now. A um, couple more things before I let you go. Um, Toronto, they, you know, they, you know, with uh, Lowry, uh, with DeRozan, one of the better backcourts in the NBA, they. I, I feel like they need to address the Terrence Ross, uh, Terrence Ross's position. Do you do you feel like he needs to be moved? Do you think he will be moved? And do you think they can get anything good in return? They could get something in return for him. I, I'm, from what I'm hearing, they're not anxious to move him. 
They're, 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 they would listen to offers, but they're not anxious to move them. You know, uh, Masaji Jiri, which is the GM for them, he's, he's a very, very good GM because what he does is he's not going to make a panic move or make a move just for the sake of making a move. He has to absolutely be winning in the deal for him to make a, make a move. He doesn't make trades that are evil, that, that, that are even, that are level. No, he doesn't do that. He is going for the jugular in any trade and any move that he makes. I, I'm just trying to think back, and there's not many moves that I look back at him and to confidently say, yeah, he lost in that trade. He just usually, 90% of the time, he doesn't lose out on his trade. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, it's last, ever since they made the move with Rudy Gay, yeah, actually, Rudy Gay would be a piece that they could use right now you know, a wing guy. And, I mean, the other problem is is they have, you know, 45 point guards and 45 power forwards and nobody to play yep. the wing. And it's just, it's just, you know, it's like, actually, you know what it's like? It's like the Knicks when they had, you know, Othello Harrington, Clarence Weatherspoon, and a bunch of other garbage at power forward. <laughs> and, yep. you know, it, it's it's pretty bad. If I was a Toronto fan, I mean, they're lucky that they're as good as they are right now. And, with uh, Lowry, but they need to make some. I think they need to make one move, and missing out on Jeff Green was a big mistake. Yeah, I, but again, this is this is Ujiri's way of doing business. Is he will not make a move unless he's winning. And I'm telling you right now. While I completely agree, they they should and they need to make a move. This team is not going to make a move unless they are winning. They do not believe in making an even trade where the other team gets what they want and then they get what they want. No, absolutely not. He has to absolutely be winning on and in the trade. Toronto is perfectly fine right now and content making the playoffs, getting to the second round. If they get bumped, it's still seen as a success for them. That's right now what the all what ownership ownership is okay with that. Ownership isn't expecting a championship from them. So, and you would you jury knowing that, he's not going to make a panic move. It's just not going to happen. One more thing before I let you go. Do you want to tell everybody where we can find you on Twitter, the Internet, all that good stuff, where we can find your work? Absolutely. We're at sportingdebate.com. And on Twitter, you can follow me. We break we break a lot of news. We're on top of all the sports, not just basketball, but it's sportingdebate underscore, at sportingdebate underscore. You can follow us there. Also, like I said, our website is www.sportingdebate.com. Awesome, Jesus. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was a good time, and we'll talk again soon, man. I thank you so much for having me. It was a great time, and we look forward to being on again. All right, sounds good. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.